0: Hi, welcome back to Alpha. It's week 2. I'm Gonna show you a short clip from German television. And in this clip one of the characters really hasn't understood the gift he's been given. Sag mal Papa, habe ich dich noch gar nicht gefragt, wie kommst du eigentlich mit dem neuen iPad zurecht, was wir dir zum Geburtstag geschenkt haben? Gut. Mit den ganzen Apps kommst du klar? Was denn für Apps? Gib mal bitte. I I think that's really funny. It reminded me of a story I heard some years ago of an English couple who wanted to send their French friends a traditional Christmas gift. They thought about it long and hard and they came up with the idea of sending them a Christmas pudding. So they got it ready and they put a sprig of holly in the top and they sent it off. A few weeks after Christmas they got a bemused reply back. Thank you for the gift that you sent us. It's a lovely plant. We water it every day, but nothing seems to be happening. They'd completely misunderstood the gift. The Bible says that Jesus is a gift, but not everyone understands the meaning of the gift. We may know the story, but do we know what it really means? There was a children's nativity play. We all love nativity plays. All was going well. Mary was sitting in the right place. And the small child playing the angel Gabriel appeared right on cue. Unfortunately, the angel Gabriel decided to enlarge his role a bit and began to ad lib. I think he was a bit miffed about missing out on Joseph yet again. He said, Mary, you will give birth to a baby boy and you will call him Jesus. And then he added a little unhelpfully, but don't get too attached to him because he dies at Easter. He knew the story. Maybe we are familiar with the story, even if we don't understand everything about it and what it means. At Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, God with us. That amazing event that split history into two, before and after. At Easter, we remember the death of Jesus on Good Friday. And then we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the dead on Easter Sunday. That event that changed the world forever. So today's big question is, Why did Jesus die? Why did he have to die? Why did he die in the way that he did? Perhaps the most famous verse in the New Testament comes in John's Gospel, chapter three, verse 16, and it explains the why. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The Why? Because we are loved by God. Not just loved, so loved by God. And he doesn't want any of us to perish, but to live eternally with him. How do we receive the gift? By believing in Jesus, believing in his name. An ancient Christian writer called Saint Augustine said this, the whole Bible does nothing but tell of God's love for us. The Bible describes why Jesus came in lots of different ways. He came to be our savior. He came on a rescue mission. He came to pay our ransom to set us free. Someone else has put it like this, Jesus came to pay a debt he didn't owe because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. It's clear from the New Testament that Jesus knew who he was and why he had come. But he could have avoided this terrible death at any time. He could have just walked away even in Gethsemane, on the night that he was betrayed and arrested, we see him in the garden struggling with the enormity of it all. And he says that he could have called down 12 legions of angels to protect him. And if we were going on a Roman legion, that would have been at least 72,000 angels to protect him. But he willingly submits. He knows what's coming, but he knows there is no other way in which he can save humanity, but offer his perfect life for our imperfect ones. So today we focus on the cross. The cross is the symbol of the Christian faith, always has been. Now, if you ask an average person in the street what the symbol of the cross means to them, they may say it makes a nice piece of jewellery or a fashion accessory. In other words, it doesn't mean that much to them. But if you ask a Christian what the cross means to them, they will say it means everything. Now, many people today wear crosses as pendants or earrings, an item of jewellery. We're all used to this. I wear one myself. We would be a bit more shocked if people wore a gallows pendant or a hangman's noose or a guillotine, something like that, an electric chair. But the cross was just as much a means of execution and torture as any of these other things. In fact, it was one of the most cruelest ways of execution that even the Romans abolished it in 315 AD because it was so barbaric. Yet the cross remains the symbol of the Christian faith. In fact, a high proportion of the gospels are about the last week of Jesus's life, focusing on his death. About 40% of John's gospel is just taken up with the last week of Jesus's life. And much of the rest of the New Testament explains the meaning of the cross. You may know one of the central services or sacraments of the church remembers the death of Jesus in bread and wine. We call to mind the Last Supper. Jesus spent that last night with his disciples sharing the Passover that amazing Jewish festival where they remembered God's deliverance of his people out of slavery in Egypt. And the most dramatic of those things that happened at that time was that they were to sacrifice a lamb and put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. And when the angel of death came, it passed over. And Jesus takes those elements of bread and wine as part of the Passover and applies them to himself and says this is his body which is given for us. That his blood is the means of the whole world being rescued and delivered. So why did he have to die and die in this way? Well, the answer, as we've mentioned already in a nutshell, is that God loves you that we're separated from him by our faults and failings, but he has come to deal with that. Jesus didn't come to make us religious. He didn't even come to make us good, although he does because he transforms our lives and he went around doing good. But above all, Jesus came to rescue us, to save us, because we cannot save ourselves. In a way, he bridged the gap between a holy God and an imperfect humanity. The cross is the bridge. Some people say to me, well, I've no need of Christianity. I don't believe in Jesus. Why do I need to? I'm happy and content with my life. I'm a good person and I try and lead a good life. Surely that's all that matters. I want to cover this thing of why the need for jesus in order to understand why jesus died we have to go back and look at the greatest problem that confronts the world and everyone in it now if i asked you that question you may come up with lots of uh, answers possibilities the greatest problem that confronts the world is it war Is it extremism, is it terrorism, is it global warming? Yet when we dig down deeper into all of these things, underlying them all is a tiny word called sin. Sin is the greatest problem that faces the world. And it's also the greatest need because we need forgiveness of our sins. Now, sin isn't a very popular word. We don't use it very much in today's world, but think about it. What causes all those difficulties, all the evil and all the suffering in the world? It's sin. Man's breaking of God's perfect laws, not following the maker's instructions, as it were, mankind going its own way, And it seems to result in all the problems that we see. And if we were totally honest about our own lives, we know that we're not perfect. We've all done things we know to be wrong. One of the writers of the New Testament called the Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in that little phrase, he gives us a clear definition of sin. What is sin? Falling short of the glory of God. Basically not being perfect. And not one of us, I think, would claim to be perfect. Who has sinned? All of us. And that sin, whether big or small, separates us from a holy God because he is perfect. Now, we might... Uh, compare ourselves with other people and think we're not too bad. But we have to admit that all of us have fallen short in one way or another. Just take the Ten Commandments, for example. Some people treat them as multi-choice, attempt any three. I remember before I became a Christian, I I didn't think I was a bad person at all. But then I looked at the Ten Commandments and realised I'd broken the first one because I hadn't put God above everything else to love God first. And then Jesus comes and he explains the Old Testament to us. And he even expands on some of the Ten Commandments. Take murder, for example. He says actually to to harbour anger in your heart is to break God's perfect law. He talked about the um, commandment of do not commit adultery. And he said, well, if you look lustfully at anyone, you've committed adultery. And when we see Jesus's standards, we know we've all fallen short. No, we're, we probably wouldn't think we're really, really bad compared to those that we might think are real sinners. But it's when we compare ourselves to Jesus that we realise how far short we fall. Somerset mourn a famous writer once wrote if i were to write down every thought that i had ever thought and every deed i had ever done then people would call me a monster of depravity arthur conan doyle who wrote the sherlock holmes books once played a practical joke on 12 of his most illustrious friends apparently he sent them an anonymous telegram and all it said was flee at once all is discovered apparently all 12 of them left the country within 24 hours. Imagine for a moment, all our secret sins, the worst things we'd ever thought or done being put on public display. Not one of us wouldn't die of embarrassment. All of us have fallen short. And that has eternal consequences. In a way, sin, is the most expensive thing in the universe. Because if it's forgiven, it costs Jesus his life. If it remains unforgiven, it separates us from God for all eternity. If you're like me though, we all tend to make excuses when we mess up, when uh, we know we're in the wrong. Some years ago I found these, funny but real insurance claims excuses. And they were collected up by a comedian called Jasper Carrot. Here's some of the ones that I found. An invisible car came out of nowhere, struck my car and vanished. I collided with a stationary truck coming the other way. I didn't think the speed limit applied after midnight. I'd been driving for 40 years when I fell asleep at the wheel. I knocked over the man, but he admitted it, it was his fault as he'd been run over before. I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law and headed over the embankment. And one of my favorites. The man was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I actually hit him. We laugh and they are funny, but they're real excuses for things that people had done. What we really need to do is to confess, and within our own hearts, we know that there is a desire within us for justice. When we hear of crimes that have been committed or injustices, we, there's something within us that cries out for justice. We don't want people to get away with it, but that applies to us too. It's not just other people's sins that need to be accounted for. It's ours as well. You see, sin pollutes, but Jesus cleanses and restores. Sin separates, but Jesus bridges the gap. Sin punishes, but Jesus forgives. And God has come to deal with this problem of sin. We need someone to bridge the gap, to rescue us, to forgive us, to restore our relationship with God. We need a savior and religion cannot save us. And by our own own efforts, we cannot save ourselves. We need a savior and his name is Jesus. The Bible is clear, no unforgiven sinner will be allowed into heaven because sin is not allowed in heaven. That's the bad news, but the good news is that God has done something for us that we could never do for ourselves. He loves us and wants to save us. And that rescue is not based on what we do about being good enough, but on what God has done for us. Jesus offers his perfect, sinless life. Remember, he is God in the flesh and he lays down his life For us, there's a divine exchange. When we believe in Him, what is His becomes ours as He takes our sins upon Himself. And He did that when He died. He died that we might have a relationship with God and know the promise of eternal life. The Bible says this in 1 Peter Jesus bore our sins on the cross and by his wounds we are healed. Jesus paid the price for our sins when he died on the cross. I want to illustrate this in in a story about self-substitution. In his book, Miracle on the River Kwai, Ernest Gordon wrote the true story about the life of prisoners of war working on the Burma railway. At the end of one day, the prisoners were gathered and they were to return to the camp. But before they did that, the guard counted the shovels that they had been using for that day's work. 10 prisoners, only nine shovels, one shovel was missing. He demanded the return of the lost shovel or demanded that whoever had lost it own up, or he would kill All ten of the men in that squad. After a moment of silence, one man stood forward. And he confessed to losing the shovel. And before the other prisoners, the guard clubbed him to death. His body was put in the truck and they headed back to camp. When they got back to the camp, they unloaded the truck and they counted the shovels. All ten were there. They'd been there all the time. The guard had just miscounted. That one man was not guilty. But he stood forward and offered his life to save the rest. Self-substitution. And on a bigger scale, a cosmic scale, that's what Jesus has done for us because our sins separate us from God and will lead to death, an eternal death. But Jesus wants to give us life, eternal life. And Jesus didn't die just for one man or a few men, but for everyone, for everyone who would repent. And that word repent just means turning around from going our own way to going God's way. It's a change of heart and of mind and believing in him. He offered his perfect life as a gift, and that gift needs to be received. Jesus was our substitute. He endured the pain of crucifixion. He fulfilled that whole of that Old Testament, that the blood of sacrifice paid for sin in the Old Testament, and Jesus offers his own life as that ultimate sacrifice. Once for all, never to be repeated, he gives his life for us. Think of what he went through for us. He submitted to Roman torture. He was scourged and flogged. The very flesh from his body would have been ripped to shreds. They mocked him, made fun of him, put a crown of thorns on his head, dressed him up, spat on him, beat him, and then led him out to be crucified. Stripped naked, he was nailed to a cross and hung there for six hours, every breath more painful than the last, having to lift himself up just to breathe. And as he died, he prayed for those who had crucified him. Forgive them, Lord. They know not what they do. He died between two criminals. One hurled insults at him and one turned to him in faith. And he said to that one, today you'll be with me in paradise. And as he died, he said these amazing words, it is finished. That word he used means it's paid in full. He'd accomplished what he'd come to do, to die for this broken and lost world, for everyone in it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him won't perish, but have eternal life. Jesus died for us. The worst part of his suffering, however, was not the physical torture or the emotional pain of being deserted by his friends. It was that spiritual separation between him and his father. One of the cries on the cross was, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? It's from a Psalm, Psalm 22. Because in that moment, when Jesus bore our sins, he was separated from his heavenly father, just for that moment. He became sin for us and died in our place. The death of Jesus shows me that God understands suffering as well, knows it intimately. He is not far from any one of us. And so that's why Jesus died, to reconcile us to God. Jesus, when he walked on this earth, also said that he was the judge of all mankind. So he is both savior and judge. And one day we'll all stand before him and we'll either see him as one that we fear as a judge or know as a saviour. But he is both. This story just uh, helps me understand that a little bit. Two people who went through school and university together, they were good friends, but after university they went their separate ways. One became a judge and the other's life fell apart and he ended up as a criminal and one day the judge was presiding over a court case and it was his friend who came before him. He knew that he had to um, administer justice but he also knew he loved his friend. So in this story, the sentence was a fine and the judge passed down the sentence but then he stepped away from the judge's bench and came over to his friend and said, I will pay the fine for you. Now that story just shows us what Jesus came to do. Sin has to be dealt with. There won't be a heaven if there's sin in it. It has to be dealt with. But he comes as judge, yes. But he comes as saviour too, who loves us and he gave his life for us. He paid our debt that we might go free. If we were the only person in the world, Jesus would have died for us. Once we understand the gift, then we can receive it and live in the light of its wonder and let it transform our lives. There is something amazing about knowing you're forgiven and that you have eternal life as a gift. Who else could do that for us? Once we see the cross in personal terms, that it was for us, it makes all the difference. So before I finish this talk, I know it's only the second week of the Alpha and we have many weeks to explore different questions, but I often pause just on this week and pray a prayer Because if there's anyone who's been watching who just realises that that's true, that the penny has dropped for them why Jesus died, here's a prayer that you can pray, just to take that step of faith. So if that's you, just pray it quietly where you are. Just repeat the words after me if you'd like. And Jesus will respond. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I am sorry for the things that I've done wrong in my life. Thank you that you sent Jesus, your son, to be my saviour. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. Forgive my sins. Please come into my life and give me eternal life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may have a relationship with you and walk through this life and into eternity with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening.